1 John chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, He who does not love does not know God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. For God is love. And so, this series, I want to title it this. What love looks like. What love looks like. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today. And anoint our ears to hear and anoint my mouth to speak. Father, we come before you and we thank you and we love you, Jesus. And I pray today that as your word goes forth, that the revelation of the truth in your word would illuminate our spirit, God, in such a way that we would never be the same. That this simple revelation today that is about to go forth would literally change our life forever and change the very foundation upon which why, which why we strive to be a child of God and a Christian. Lord, let this forever change our thinking today and let it be a strong foundation that we build upon, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The whole inspiration, I think, for this uh, series started with this understanding of God, people, and such, and this, this one idea that the scripture tells us that when we were in the world and we were in sin, we were a part of the beggarly elements of the world. It says beggarly elements. We were spiritual beggars. And even though on the outside it may look like we were living it up, having a good time, uh, we were spiritually beggars, spiritually poor. And so you spend your whole life, a person would spend their whole life in the world, a sinner, dead in their trespasses and sins, living it up, but being a part of these beggarly elements. And then at the end of someone's life, Romans 6 tells us the wages of sin is death. You spend your whole life working for the world system, living under the influence of the world system, and your wages, your paycheck, is death. That's it. That's what you get out of sin. It feels good for a season. Sin is a season and then your paycheck costs you. No one would like to go to work 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week, whatever it may be, and you give yourself to that job, and then at the end, your employer says, all right, you owe me a check for this much. What? I gave myself to this job for the majority of my week, and I owe you? Well, yeah. That's what the world does. That's why those in the world are poor in spirit. The beggarly elements of the world. It's another idea of idolatry. Idolatry 
We come out of sin, out of darkness, and into the marvelous light of Jesus, and we're showered with the presence of God, the love, mercy, and grace of God, and it's overwhelming, and we've never experienced anything like it. And then after you have, even though this is a sad statement, it's true, you get past the honeymoon phase, even though with our walk with God, we should never get into a lull, but you get past a certain phase and you realize you're still living on this earth and hard times still come and, and, and there's, this, there's this struggle. And so sometimes we can revert back to an idolatrous mindset, which is this. You study idolatry all throughout scripture and it was all what the person could give to the idol. Baal worship, they would literally offer their children as a blood sacrifice to Baal. They would give their child to Baal so that their, their God would give them a prosperous year, a, a good crop, or, or um, any sort of abundance of blessing, or we need it to rain, so I'm going to give you my child, literally, on an altar of sacrifice, and that child would die horrible things you you study it out and it was i have to give my god this so that i can get this the problem is they never got anything and so idolatrous mindset is what i have to give to appease the gods and then you come into this uh, new life in christ and before you give him anything, there is not this call, do you have to give me all of this before I can give you any sort of blessing? It's simply a call to relationship. Idolatry, there is no relationship. But with God, with Jesus Christ, it's relationship-based. But many times we come into church, and, and this is our time where we give something to appease God so that it can rain this week, so that I can have another good year. And so we're serving the one true God with an idolatrous mindset. And so we can't get the full revelation of God because we got old thinking. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Even now it has begun. Do you not see it? Part of us being able to step into the new thing God's calling us to is for us to understand really what we're a part of. We can't serve God truly with an idolatrous mindset. Where you could have no idols, perhaps, in your life, but you view God as an idol because you approach him through idolatrous methods of worship and not the way he desires. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The only thing you have to do in that call there is come to him. 
So with that in mind, we read our text. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. As the Pharisees approached Jesus, they were confident and cunning. Their spiritual arrogance had blinded them to the truth. The truth that was standing in front of them. And they were on a mission to catch the truth in a lie. However, they would not succeed this day. The setting is found in Matthew 22 where Jesus would utter a doctrine that has set a standard for centuries that people strive to live by. Matthew 22, we read, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The entire Bible hinges, hangs on those two commandments. So we see here the key word in this passage is not commandment. It's not law or prophet. It's love. Love. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God does not love. God is love. So in order for us to be like him, what he is, is what we must become. But in order to become what he is, we must understand what that is. It's hard to become something that you don't understand what it is. What is it? Love. However, God is many things. Scripture tells us he's holy. He is light. He is a spirit. He is truth. He is the word. And he is life. Yet, all of these attributes of his person, I believe, hinge on love. His holiness would not be what it is without love. His truth would not be what it is without love. His word wouldn't even be what it is without love. If you read this book without the understanding that it was written in love, you miss every aspect of what it's telling you. Come out from among them and be you separate. If you read that without love, you get legalism. 
So you have to understand, I have to understand, we as the people of God have to come to this moment in time where we understand the foundation of it all is love. Not weak love, not no backbone love, but love that is of God, for God is love. The fact that we, we need to even understand this, that the reason there's even hope for humanity is because of God's love. The reason why you and I can wake up in the morning and have hope is only because of God's love. So what is love? We know it's love. What is it? How do we define something that God is? How do we define something that God is that he has also called us to live? God is love and he's called us to love, which we will get into next week. But how do you define that so that you can pursue it and live it and be able to measure whether or not you're actually on this journey of obtaining the goal? Because if you don't understand where you're going, you're not going to be able to know the steps to get there. So, the love word all throughout the New Testament, and even though the meaning throughout all of Scripture is the same, the, the New Testament word for love in the Scripture is the Greek word agape. It's the deepest level of love. Anytime you read about the love of God or God's calling us to love each other, it's always this word. It's not a lower level word. It's always this word. So we have to understand what this is. The love that God is and the love that God calls us to is agape. It's unconditional love. It's the action love. It's the benevolent love that is selfless and not selfish. Well, how can you define that kind of love because believe it or not I haven't defined it yet we still haven't defined this type of love the love we read about in scripture the love that God is the love we're called to what does love look like what does this love look like here it is if you're taking notes write it down love looks like giving. Giving. That's how you define it. Can I prove it? For God so loved the world that he gave. That's how you define it. Ephesians 2.4, but God who is rich in mercy because, that word because is explaining why he's rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy, but why is he rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Loved, that's a verb, Loved, He's rich in mercy because of his love, which he loved us. Why does God show or give us mercy? 
Why? Because he loves you. How do I know he loves me? He gave his life for us. The key word there is not life. The key word is give. He gave his life for us. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down or give one's life for his friends. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates, there's the verb, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, you understand it like this. His loving is in his giving. You can measure God's love by measuring how much he gave. How do I know God loves me? He gives you the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which was given to us. Once again, we can determine and measure the love of God based off of the gift. The entire life of Jesus was love personified. You can measure it by his actions. We got to understand this. He healed the multitudes because he loved. Not because they were good boys and girls. But because he loved. So if we're looking for our healing based off of us being on our best behavior, you're missing it. And it's hard to receive what God has for you when we're trying to view it through a performance-based mindset, an attitude, in lifestyle. Remember, if it's performance-based, it's idolatry. But if it's relationship-based, there can be a flow. There is no flow in idol worship. It's all just doing whatever you can do to get that selfish, arrogant God to do something for you while you're here in your hopeless situation here on earth. But when the Creator came to help humanity, He did not come in the form of an earthly king, but He came in the form of a servant because He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give. So if you want to understand God, look for the gift. He fed the thousands because he loved. He reached even one because he loved. Anything Jesus did and everything Jesus gave is only because of this. He loves us. That's it. That's it. And there's nothing you can do to affect that. Whether you're good or bad doesn't change the fact that he gave it all because he loves you.
a revelation we get by exploring this subject is this, that you can give without loving. For example, driving down the street, see a homeless person, because you're a decent human being, you have a conscience, and you're sitting at that light long enough, like, ah, I should give him a bottle of water. He doesn't deserve it. He looks like a low life, but I'm not doing this. My conscience, here, here, here. Did you give that out of love? No. You gave that because you didn't want to feel like a terrible person when you went to bed at night. That's why you gave it. But you didn't give it because you love. So you can, you can give without loving, <laughs> but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving. You cannot love without giving. If you love, you're going to give. If you're going to love, you're going to give. So what is love? It is giving of yourself to help someone else. Jesus did not give us something else to help us. He just gave us himself. He was the gift, and we got everything he he is, everything he was. He is healing. So you're not needing God to give you something. You just need him to give you himself. He gave. He is what was given, and that's what changed it all. We look at this. He gave us mercy. He gave us grace. He gave us hope. He gave us joy. He gave us peace. He gave us righteousness because our righteousness is as filthy rags. So if our righteousness is accepted in the sight of God, it's only because he gave us his righteousness. He gave us healing. He gave us restoration, restored us back, brought us up into who he desires us to be, and he forgave us of our sin. You can't even get your sin remitted without God giving you something. Forgiveness. If your sin is going to be parted, it's only because God gave the decree, I pardon it. I forgive give you forgiveness forgiveness do you see it you can't forgive somebody without giving them something mercy i'm giving you a second chance and i'm not going to hold you in this prison of your wrong i forgive you i set you free he forgave us of our sin. Everything I've mentioned that God gave us, we read it and we're, that's true, that's, yes, I see it, that's great. Why? Why did he give us all of this? Love. Because he loves, he gives. Because God loves you, he gives. The only reason why you're still here The only reason why I am still here 
is because Jesus gave us a second chance. Does anyone realize you've had a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance? And you came in here today and you weren't even actually perhaps who you know you're supposed to be. There's an area in your life that you realize, hey, I, I really need to work on this. And the reason why you have another chance is because God is giving you another chance to become transformed into his image, pleasing in his sight. And why would he do that? He loves you. He gives us new life. You realize new life, a new birth experience, that opportunity and chance to be born again and saved, and that ability and opportunity to spend eternity with him one day. Why do we have that? Because he gave us this way, this new life. He gives it to us when we're baptized in his name and filled with his spirit and he does it because he loves us so here today with understanding this that so far the love of God that we are understanding and studying it has nothing to do with you you aren't even in the picture yet your response isn't even called for yet you're just sitting here, and God's just saying, I do this for you because I love you. I gave this to you because I love you. I have given you this opportunity because my love is great for you. And you're just sitting here like, I haven't even had a chance to speak up yet. I haven't even had a chance to make a decision yet. Yeah, because True love isn't based on the person. It's based on the one who loves. It has nothing to do with the response. It just has to do with, I love you, so I, I give. The world doesn't know what to do with that kind of love. People don't know what to do with that kind of love. And we struggle to live the life that God has called us to live because we can't wrap our minds around the true love of God. If we view it based off of performance, we're trying to live for God with an idolatrous method. God's mad at me, so he doesn't love me. Where in the book do you read that? He, he chastises and disciplines his people. And why? Because <laughs> he loves them. The Bible says the Lord chastens those he loves. Why does he give you discipline? There's the part we don't want to talk about. Why does God allow you to go through things? Sometimes, Why does God discipline you like a father disciplines a child? Why? Because he loves you. Once again, it's giving demonstrates his loving. So there are three things we need to grasp. His giving is not based on your worthiness. 
His giving is not based on your holiness. And his giving is not based on your righteousness. His giving is based on his love for you. So you come to God, I don't know if I can take this next step in relationship with God because I just don't know if I'm worthy. That's an idolatrous mindset. The Lord is calling you to new life because he loves you, not because you're found worthy of it. You'll only be found worthy once you embrace the gift he's offering to you because the gift is what makes you worthy. I'm holy because I dressed it on the outside. No, holiness does not start on the outside. Holiness must start within, and it will be reflected eventually on the outside. But sh- So wh- what that means is, is you can't achieve true holiness based on what you do. But you are able to walk into it once you have received the gift from God to help you become that. So you can't, well, I'm going to make this list that's found in the Word of God and I'm going to do this and achieve holiness. Not without God, you're not. And don't try because then you'll deceive yourself to think you're holy when you're not. can't achieve it without God your righteousness you can't achieve without God you can't obtain these things until God has first made you a new creature in Christ and you are submitted and surrendered to the life he's called you to he gives because he loves look at somebody right now and look him in the eye and say he gives because he He gives because he loves. He gives because he loves. And so now it's not based on what you give at this point. It's based on how much are you willing to receive. He's ready to give all you need to become who he desires you to be. But you're not going to be able to achieve that based on how much you give at this point. It's how much are you willing to receive. How much he loves is based on how much he gives. So, with that in mind, how much did he give? How much does he give? All. Everything. Completely. Unconditionally, that's how he gives. And it's the same measure that he loves. All. Everything. Completely. And unconditionally. Because how much he gives reveals how much he loves. So if he gives all, 
you're able to understand. He loves all. If he gives everything, that means he loves with everything. If, if he gives completely, that means he loves completely, which means there's no flaw or inconsistency in the love of God. If he gives unconditionally, then that reveals he loves unconditionally, which then helps us understand it doesn't matter what kind of day I've had or what mindset I'm in right now. I don't need to get discouraged and beat down based off of my own flaws because if I focus on my flaws, I'm going to live depressed. But if I can focus on Jesus, that's where, that's where the burden is lifted. And if we focus on other people's flaws, we'll get depressed and judgmental and negative and all of those things. But if we can just all look up to Jesus, who is the one who is giving all, and that means he is loving with all, with everything, completely, unconditionally, then we have the foundation we need to be able to then Build upon this. He loves based on how much he gives. Holding nothing back. Well, I like this person. This person, they... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Let's just talk about this for a second. This is good. This will uh, create a ripple in the water for sure. Maybe a tidal wave. So Jesus was Jewish. Everybody say Jesus was Jewish. So if Jesus loved based off of his uh, earthly nationality, that means he would only love Jewish people, right? And if he only loved Jewish people, then that means if he's going to give his life, he would have probably just given them for Jewish people. Which means I think all of us are in big trouble. So this love, he loves with all. Meaning it's, he, there's no favorites in this general sense of love. God has favorites, but those are the people that pursue after what he's calling. And so the favor of God will be upon them because if you walk according to the precepts of the word of God, the favor of God will be upon your life. If you don't, the favor of God will not be upon your life. The book talks about that. But he loves all, and he's willing that all follow after the way he is made. But this holding nothing back... He's not afraid of rejection. God loves you with all, holding nothing back, and he's not afraid that you'll reject him. That's why he could pray on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Their rejection did not affect his love. Sometimes we reject what God has for us because we are viewing the love of God through the experiences we've had of the flawed love that people have shown us. Well, I was rejected. Somebody hurt me. And so we reject 
the true love of God sometimes because we are afraid to simply receive. We're afraid to simply receive. Why? Because you've been hurt. That's why. Because when you receive, that means you allow yourself to be vulnerable. And if you're vulnerable, there's a chance you could get hurt again. And so if that is in any of our spirits today, the love of God is unable to truly impact your life. But he still is willing to give everything, not afraid of rejection. He's also not afraid of your failure. Well, what if I make up my mind that I want to follow Jesus and give him my everything and I mess up next month? He loves you the same. He's not afraid of your failure because he knows his love, his spirit, his word is able to transform you and you may fall down, but he can help get you back up. So he's not afraid of your failure, and he's not intimidated by the hard heart. He still loves. He gave his life for Judas just like he gave it for John. One betrayed him, and one was called Beloved. He gave his life for the beloved, and he gave his life for the betrayer. The same. The sacrifice for Judas was the same as it was for John. The love of God for the golden Christian in the room today is the same for the one who is a mess consistently. It's the same. So your behavior, your condition, your life, does not get to determine how much God loves you. Don't be so prideful to think that. What you do, what you bring to the table right now has nothing to do with how God is loving you with everything because he gave everything. We need to understand this today because you're not going to be able to go to the next level in which God is calling you to until you first understand there's nothing I can do to alter the love of God in my life. I have done things in the past that have altered other people's love in my life and I have done things that have hurt people or I've been hurt by people and some people betrayed me and some people said they loved me when they really didn't love me and all of that may be the case with normal people but Jesus was more than just a man he was the Lord from heaven in flesh giving everything because he loves with everything and you may have been living for God for decades or just this may be your first time in a service in a long time or you may have just started living for God. It doesn't matter. But the love of God for each person is the same. He's not holding anything back. He's not afraid of rejection. He's not afraid of your failure. And he's not intimidated by your hard heart. He loves us completely and perfectly. And he showed us what the that love looks like this is the most vulnerable position you can be in and he demonstrated us 
to us. That type of love and that type of offering and gift when he hung on the cross. He gave it all. And his body even was in a position to demonstrate he's given it all. You can't give any more than this. And while he's giving it all, and some are still mocking him, he doesn't say, well, I'm done with you. You're going to hell. No, he... You can be hurt by people and not stop giving it all. You can be betrayed by people and still stay in that position of giving everything you've got. Just because something didn't happen the way you thought it should does not mean that you've got to stop giving. Why? Why why do we know we can do that? Because our Lord did it for us. Some rejected him, some betrayed him, some walked away, but that did not stop him from giving it all. And because he gave it all, he we then know that he loves with literally everything because that's who he is. 1 John 4:10 you'll stand with me first John 4:10 this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Not based on anything you can do, but the fact that God gave himself a sacrifice for you. True love isn't based on the other person. It's based on you. The true love of God isn't based on your performance. It's based on his gift. And what was his gift? Everything. So before you ever gave anything to God, he first gave everything for you. Say that one more time. Before you ever gave anything to God, (laughs) he first gave everything for That's a lot different than an idol. That's relationship. He gave it everything for you. Why? Because he wants you. He wants you. And he wants it so desperately, and he's not afraid of rejection, failure, or your hard heart, so he laid it all out on the table and said, just come on. I've already done, I've done everything I can do. Just come on. There is no idol in Scripture. There is no false God in Scripture that we see this demonstrated. So the difference between Jesus and every false God is he first gave before he called us to give. But every idol 
calls us to give before it will give. See the flip? So today, it doesn't matter how long or how short we've been living for God. We need to get a fresh perspective of the love of God. And the fact that God loves us should always move us. We should never get over the fact He gave everything for us before He ever called us to give anything to Him.